and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And today we're going to be talking about needles. Yay, needles. (laughs) (laughs) They are your number one tool in your knitting. Right. It's impossible to do it without them. Our knitting is, don't do it. Fake. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not fake. I guess you're making knit stitches, but like... It's nobody's long-term solution to this. Right. So as as a very quick aside, the one time I've ever arm knit anything, I arm knit a roving blanket because we wanted to show people that those big roving blankets were not were not sustainable items to be creating if you live a human life in a human household. With humans. And with other humans and possible animals. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, not, they're not the most durable knit object that right. you'll ever make and... Yeah, just not our high recommend project for anyone. <laughs> the big problem I identified with arm knitting during the course of that experiment was that you are literally attached to your knitting and it is roughly one million degrees when both arms are covered with like 12 pounds of roving up to your elbow. Yeah, and it's fluffy and kind of sheds on you. Yeah, you can't do it wearing hand knits, which makes it kind of a fake project as far as we're concerned. Well, yeah, because we always wear hand knits. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so you need needles. Yeah, we love needles. Love all sorts of needles. Because everyone has different needle needs and preferences. I was just going to say needles, but that's just the word. It's not even a pun. It's just the actual word. That's right. (laughs) Anyway, okay, so let's get rolling. We are going to talk to you about lots of different needle options today to meet all of your needle needs. <laughs> She's making such a face at me. You're welcome. <laughs> start your day off right. So maybe we should start by talking about how we decided to choose the needles that we chose for our shop. Sure. Because there's so many options. There's so, so, so many options. And it's impossible to have all of them. So as shop owners, like we had to make a choice. Yeah. So maybe that's where we begin. Sure. There are a lot of things to choose about needles. There's the materials they're made out of. There's the shape they are. Are they straight needles or circular needles? All that kind of thing. Probably the most requested type of needle that we don't have in the store are bamboo needles. People ask for bamboo needles all the time. And we just don't have them. Right. Because, okay, let me tell you a little story about when I lived in Philadelphia and I was knitting kind of compulsively and I would go to the little yarn shop that was like in the basement a block and a half away from my apartment. And at some point I decided that now that I was knitting a lot, I deserved to replace all of my plastic needles with bamboo needles. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I invested, I don't even know, like probably a couple hundred dollars in like acquiring various sizes of bamboo needles. Here's what happened to those needles over time. And this maybe tells us a little bit something about me as a person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Because, for example, Jessica does not have this specific problem. Every single one of those needles became warped. They started bowing toward each other. You're mean to your needles, you mean. (laughs) I am apparently a tense knitter. (laughs) Yeah? Okay. Um, Bamboo needles are really nice. So if that is the texture of needle you prefer to work with, that's great. We just don't sell them because we have a lot of big feelings about selling people tools that haven't historically worked for us. So that's why we don't have those specifically at the store. Well, and the other thing is that bamboo needles are really widely accessible. True. Like one of the major manufacturers of bamboo needles is Clover and Clover works with small independent yarn shops, but they also work with big box stores. And I can think of one, two, three, four or five different places in our immediate area where you can get bamboo knitting needles. So for us, since we try to choose things to have in the shop that are not readily available elsewhere near us like bamboo needles didn't seem like the most urgent need in our space because they're kind of everywhere and we think that wood is a nice alternative to them it's got a lot of the same properties wood needles are warm in your hands yes the 
tips are a little sharper than bamboo needles, which we think makes it a little bit more functional for knitters without being as pointy as like a metal lace tip. We thought, you know, we're going to have a similar to bamboo option, but one that's less ubiquitous in the local shopping community. Right. The specific wood needles that we stock in the store are the Knitter's Pride Gingers. And we like them because they are, they're very smooth. They're intentional about their staffing practices. And that just seems like something that we want to be part of. But then there's also metal. Jessica and I both mostly knit with metal now. We didn't when we first opened the store because we hadn't discovered the chow goos yet. Oh, that's oh. how you say that, by the way. Oh, yeah. We had to ask them. Yeah, let's take you on a little side journey here. <laughs> so one year we were at TNNA, uh, which is the National Needle Arts Association, which is now defunct. Right. Uh, but we were at a trade show in Ohio somewhere. I don't remember what year. One of the one of the years. And we went to their booth uh, because they were there at the show. And we said, this is our opportunity. Right. <laughs> we are going to actually ask them the appropriate, the correct way to pronounce their brands. And it's Chowgu. They were actually like, wait, let us get our cameras out. And so they recorded us saying it the dopey way that we had tried to say it. And then... They recorded us saying it the right way, and it's probably still on their website, but they were like, these two people won't be afraid of embarrassing themselves on camera. Let's <laughs> voluntell them that this is what they're doing, which we are not afraid of embarrassing ourselves on camera, so it worked out great. Yeah. So, chowgu needles. Yeah, in my evolution as a knitter, like when I first started knitting and I went to an unnamed box store and got my pamphlet and my... <laughs> homespun yarn and needles I had aluminum knitting needles because they were pretty and they were there and I was like great I think this is also who makes this pamphlet that I'm going to learn from these are the needles I'm going to knit with so that was my initial experience with metal and eventually I merged into using bamboo which I used for a long time many many years and it was fine for me with the exception of when like after extended use I would have like snags on my bamboo needles in the I would need to take like an emery board to them (laughs) to kind of like sand down the little snaggy spots and then there was the year that I got my knitter's pride interchangeable set of needles for Christmas and I cried they were so nice and I love them and it really like changed my life as a knitter to have a set of tools that worked better for me personally. Knitting needles are kind of like kitchen knives. Oh yeah. They need to be the right, like not too light, not too heavy, the right balance in your hand. It's going to make a really big difference for your experience in using them Mm -hmm. because they spend a lot of time in your hands. They definitely spend more time in your hand than your kitchen knife does, unless you're like a professional chef. Chef, <laughs> right? I was, I was thinking probably the chef doesn't even it, the person who's chopping the vegetables for the chef to use in the sure. kitchen is Prep the work. one who, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But then I merged from Knitter's Pride to using the chowgus when we brought them into the shop, and for me, it was. Definitely a game changer transitioning from these wood needles that I really loved to the chowgus that I am like pair bonded to. Right. <laughs> like the metal tips are great. They're pointier than the wood tips I'd been using, which was great for me. And the cables. The cables are amazing. Just going to tell you a little love letter to my my (laughs) chowgu set um so the knitter's pride the wood needles that we have have a nylon cable which is fine and does its job but because nylon is the material it is it will kind of kink and warp over time you'll sometimes see people give you the recommendation to dip them into hot water to relax the plastic i tend to think that if your cables are in really bad shape you just kind of replace them. Right. They're cheap. Yeah. They're eminently replaceable. 
yeah, and you know, over time, if you're applying heat to plastic, it makes it more brittle. So you're not you're not doing those cables any long term favors by doing that. But the Chowgu cables are actually stainless steel and they're coated, so you're not actually coming into contact with the metal. But they're memory free. They just kind of hang limp. They're very flexible and they're much easier to work with. Like it never feels like your needles are like coiling against you and like pulling your project in any direction. So they're fantastic. They fade into the background while you're using them, which is what you want your tools to do in this case. And we should also mention that Knitter's Pride has just come out with some new coated metal cables from their Mindful collection. They sort of swivel at the base and they have that same memory-free feature that Chowgu does. They are a little more expensive than their old all-nylon cables, but they are really, really nice. So if you're currently using Knitter's Pride or Knitpicks, or there's a couple of different lines that are made in the same factory, which makes them interchangeable. Leica needles, the driftwood needles. needles. Yeah, also made in the same factory, same join, functional interchangeably. Try out one of the Mindful Collection cords and see, like, that might be the right combination of tools for you and the way you use them. Another thing about those little Mindful Collection cables, they have little marks every inch on the cable, which is A, kind of cute because it's striped, and B, super functional. (laughs) Like, if you need, I like stripes. If you need a quick measurement, you have that tool accessible to you, which is nice. It's built right into your needle. We're in a Facebook group with some other shop owners, and there was a thread recently about all the things people use to measure their knitting when they're too lazy to get up and get their measuring tape. People know exactly how long dollar bills are. They know exactly how big the two different dimensions of their smartphone are. They know exactly how long the length of their first to second knuckle on their thumb is. There are a lot of (laughs) measuring hacks when really the answer is just stand up, go get your measuring tape, come back. Knitter's Pride is trying to streamline the measuring hack process for you by adding lots of Mm -hmm. one-inch measurements to everything they make now. Can we talk a little bit about why we're so obsessed with interchangeable knitting needles? Oh, yeah. Interchangeable circulars? Yeah. Because I think not everyone uses them, Mm -hmm. but in a dream knitter world, I think if everyone could, they should. Because there are so many different options, you know, there are interchangeable needles available from all of the different major brands. So whatever you like about whatever thing you use, there's probably an interchangeable option. That's great. Let me tell you a story about my past needle life. I pretty much exclusively knit with circular needles from very early on because it was what was available to me and I didn't really know the difference. I think I did have like a mason jar full of straight needles at some point that like appeared from my grandmother's house after she realized that I was knitting. Like I acquired them from different places, but never really used straight needles that often. But the circular needles were out of control. Oh, yeah. They were like, they multiply. They're everywhere. So I also have a bag problem, which <laughs> perhaps some of you can relate to. But I have a lot of project bags and like personal bags between me and my personality type, which is just like I kind of am like a moving caravan of things. And then the years that I had little, little kids where they have their own apartment that comes with you everywhere you go. (laughs) And then my knitting that is always in tow. Like I have a lot of bags. And I had circular needles coming out of these bags like snakes. They were everywhere. I could not control them. I had no good system for keeping track of them. Every maybe six months or so, I would sit down and say, okay, I'm going to get this under control. And I would lay them all out on the floor around me and be horrified at what I found because I would have eight US 7... I was going to say sevens. (laughs) (laughs) 24-inch circular needles. Like, why did I have that many? Because every time I went to buy yarn, I'd be like, you know what? I think I need sevens. And I would just buy more. And then they just lived in a bag or under my bed. I don't know. They were like holding my hair up. They were everywhere. (laughs) 
And it was overwhelming. Like when we talked about Stash recently and like the emotional burden that is sometimes associated with your stash of yarn, I had big problems with my needle issue. Well, and the needle thing was kind of like gambling, right? If you were at the (laughs) shop and you're buying yarn and you're thinking, you know, I'm taking this yarn home to make this thing, how certain am I that I have US 7 32 inch at home? Pretty sure, but not worth it. Right. Like it's not worth taking the risk. So I'm just going to buy another set. Right. I don't want to have to come back out to get more needles. I really want to cast this on right away when I get home. Yeah, it's a mess. So interchangeables help solve that problem because you get a set, especially if you just get a set, like Mm -hmm. one of the complete sets versus, you know, one set of tips at a time. Though you can, you can piecemeal build a set, which is maybe, oh yeah, (laughs) little little collecting bits and pieces at a time and might make more sense for you financially. Like if you feel like plunking down the money for a whole set at once is maybe too much, or maybe you just really knit with like four sizes of needles and you don't need all of the sizes. You can make a customized little mini set of the tools that you use. Yeah. But let's say that you went and you picked up the complete set from Chowgu of size 2 through 15, which even there, that isn't actually complete, right? Because Chowgus go all the way down to size triple zero. Mm-hmm. But you know that somewhere in your house, there's every set of tips between size 2 and 15, and you know that there was a complete set of cords that came in that kit. You can make the combination that you need for your project. You're probably going to end up along the way picking up some extra cords because they get left in projects like in, you know, timeout projects or whatever. Or you want two of the really short ones to knit sleeves or, you know, there's like all kinds of things that you end up picking up extra cords for. But it takes away that element of like, do I have the ability to make the right combination? You do. Right. And it really lets you customize in a way that works for you. And it's so much easier to store them. Oh, yes. Like needle storage, so much easier when you can take things apart and tuck them into your little needle case. I can remember before I was like actively sewing again in my life, pulling out my old sewing machine (laughs) and like old jeans. I was like, I'm going to cut up some old denim and try and make one of those circular needle hangers that like you put on an actual literal hanger and hang them on the wall where there's just like a loop a little pocket to slide each size of needle through and then you just have like a a medusa head of circular needles hanging out of this like fabric thing on your wall and even then I couldn't bring myself to effectively use it and maybe that's just because I'm disorganized but so many so many wild cables yeah yeah And there's, you know, there's different uses too. So if you are working on, for example, magic loop socks, you might want five inch tips. If you're working on sleeves, you want four or now Chowgu has three inch tips. And so like, if you think about all of the needle combinations that could exist in the world, you're going to end up with a lot of needles if you're buying them as fixed circulars. Although if you have one kind that you use all the time, let's say you are a committed sock knitter and you always knit your socks on magic loop us ones you might just want to pick up a fixed us one 50 inch cable fixed needle and then you just have it that's your sock needle like it really is very customizable we also you know as shop owners we try to make choices that are economical for our customers and over time it's going to be cheaper to build an interchangeable library than it is to buy infinite fixed circular needles. Yeah. Why only circulars? Oh, that's that's a question we get sometimes. Yeah. So we uh, we say only circulars, but as an aside, we also have double pointed needles, but really we just don't sell straight needles. Right. And that's for a couple of reasons. The first one is that straight needles are unitaskers. You can only do one thing with them, and that is knit flat fabric. So you can't knit a three-dimensional hat. Right. (laughs) On your straight needles, you could knit a flap of fabric and seam it together, I guess, and turn it into a hat. But really, why? 
<laughs> I, I mean, I you know, if that's your thing, like, no judgment. But also, most hat patterns are written in the round. Let's be real. But on circular needles, you can knit three-dimensional things, and you can also knit flat fabric. So it doesn't make sense to, like, for us, it didn't feel like it made sense to stock all of the different sizes of straight needles and there's so many different lengths of them like it felt from a like we have a yarn shop perspective that felt overwhelming and really it's not what most knitters are knitting with at this point i think largely the fiber community uses circular needles with some exception they feel more comfortable in your hands too for me anyway like the balance it's like the knife thing again the the balance oh, yeah. is different because there's You know, if you just think about sort of the physics of a straight needle in your hand, there's sort of this big lever that's just hanging in space, which makes it not a lever. What is the simple machine that I'm thinking of? But (laughs) there's a a stick with the weight of yarn on it hanging in space, and your hand is having to do that work versus there's a cable connecting them. The cable is supporting the weight of the yarn that's sort of balanced between your two hands. You can't lose one needle and not the other, which is super annoying because they're attached to each other. Right. So that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a doctor. Let's, let's, <laughs> in case anyone was confused. But like, I think that straight needles, given that we have other options, they just feel like an ergonomic nightmare. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially if you're knitting something big or heavy, like all of the weight of that fabric having to be supported by your hands and wrists on straight sticks sticking out to the side, like, don't do that to your hands. You want to be kind to them so that they can keep knitting for you and doing all of the other things that you need them to do. So, okay, we don't really have one of these locally, so I'm also going into my mental Wayback Machine to make this reference. But Let's if do you it. have ever gone into a Bed Bath & Beyond... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we were going there. In the kitchen section. Uh-huh. And there's that wall of, like, unitasker kitchen tools oh like a strawberry core right your strawberry core let's use that as an example if you are somebody who cores strawberries uh-huh. let's set a bar you do it 10 times a week you are spending 20 minutes coring strawberries i don't know what you do for your life <laughs> your professional strawberry core i don't know maybe that is a tool that makes sense for you to have mm-hmm Maybe that's not your life, but you just really dislike coring strawberries with a little knife. Paring knife. A paring knife. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe that is a tool that makes sense for you to have. But if you look at that big wall of unitasker tools and you are like, I do all of those things that these tools do. I need to buy one of each one of these tools. Your kitchen has gone from being a functional kitchen to what is this mess in my drawer? I can't do anything because I can't find anything. I have a single use tool for every unusual situation thing I need to do. And I have to just burn my apartment down and move, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Or you could just acquire some new knife skills and do all of those weirdly specific, like an egg slicer. Right. And a bin, like for your boiled eggs and like a banana slicer. Totally different. They they make (laughs) all of those things. And yet, essentially, the the skill that you need to do here, that you need to acquire, is cutting things with a knife. Like, use the knife. (laughs) So we feel kind of the same way about needles and tools. You want to have things that you can use and like readily access to be able to do what you're trying to do and it will serve many purposes for you right and on some level that is a very individualized thing if you are somebody who likes to slice eggs for your kids bento box lunch or whatever and you like want it to be the little uniform thing with the wire then that is a tool that makes sense for you to have but maybe you're not doing that with bananas so don't also buy the banana slicer like (laughs) (laughs) right That being said, this is another individual conversation about tip length on needles. Well, okay, a sidebar before we get to that. We carry two sets of interchangeable needles in the store. We carry the Knitter's Pride and we carry the Chow Goos, and they handle this issue differently. Within our sample set of two, we have two different ways of doing this. 
Knitter's Pride, when you look at the cable and it says 16-inch cable, it's not 16 inches long because they're taking into account six-inch tips. Yes. So that actual cable is only six inches long or something, right? Because it's the five-inch tips. I don't know. Chowgu does it the other way. When they say an eight-inch cable, it's an eight-inch long cable, and you have to add in your head the length of the tips that you happen to be using. Right, that you're actually using. Mm -hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, that varies from brand to brand, not just those two. Like You'll find one or the other across all of the lines of needles out there. The Chowgus come in three different sizes, well, four kind of. Um, Knitter's Pride come in two different sizes in terms of length of tips. There's the mm-hmm. six-inch tips and the four-inch tips on the Knitter's Pride. Mm-hmm. Chowgu has five, four, three, and then some twos that we'll talk about later. I think they're also ones. There's no. twos and ones, yes, in the little red case. There's a one-inch tip? Oh, yeah, they're a little itty-bitty. That stresses me out. Yeah. Cool. It's wildly little. <laughs> They're tiny. Well, so this is, okay, so this is what I'm talking about, though, because I have relatively broad hands. Mm -hmm. I grew up playing the piano. They are very horizontally stretched. So the little tiny tips are not super functional for me. Mm -hmm. I feel like I am overwhelmed by them, or I overwhelm them. There are some people who have very small hands, where maybe the five-inch tips are not going to be the most comfortable. So you need to experiment and figure out what is going to work for you within the realm of what is going to be functional for what you're making. Right. Even if you prefer when you're knitting a sweater to work with a five-inch tip, if you're knitting the sleeve of a baby sweater, a five-inch tip is just going to annoy you because the circumference of this thing is only, I don't know, how big's a baby heart? (laughs) (laughs) It's six inches around, right? And you've got 10 inches of rigid needle tip. Magic loop. Right. Yeah. That's a magic loop situation. So anyway, the point of that being figure out what tools are going to best serve you and your body and spend some time experimenting and make yourself happy with the tools that you're using. Speaking of you and your body, can we talk a little bit more about the ergonomics of knitting needles and different options? Knitting needles are cylinders, right? They're kind of like a pencil like in shape. Sure. Yeah. They're little round sticks. And for some people, it doesn't feel great in your hands. Like it's hard to hold on to for a myriad of reasons. Like maybe your hands have arthritis. Maybe you experience neuropathy. Like there are different reasons that your hands don't particularly like holding a certain thing. And fortunately, needle manufacturers have recognized that and have, in the past however many years, like they've developed options for people so that you can try out different shapes of needles and see if they are more comfortable for you and kind of preserve your physical knitting life. Right. We, we've had many people come into the shop who across a wide range of ages who are like, I had to stop knitting because my hands just can't do it anymore. Like they, you know, maybe you have fibromyalgia or you have MS or something. Like there are lots of different reasons that your hands are bothered by certain things. And we have found that the cubics from Knitter's Pride, they're our first go-to good option for being more gentle on your hands. They're wood tips And they're square. Yeah, they're great. Yep. So they have, like, if you've ever seen the, like, trainer pencils for little kids or people, you know, who are doing, like, occupational therapy to, like, get back into writing for whatever reason again, they're either pencils that are, like, square-sided or they're little, like, sleeves that slide over them. So they're flat edges, so it's easier for your hands to hold on to them. That's what the Cubics needles are shaped like down the entire length of the needle. And I think that our people who have tried them have had really good results and have gotten back into knitting after, in some cases, really extended time away from it. They are. So those come as interchangeables and then fixed, which we don't happen to carry, in a slightly limited range. Yeah. It's only US 6 and up. I think it's US 6 through 11, something like that, because I think they sort of triangulated 
if a square needle is going to be more comfortable, knitting with anything smaller than a six is probably not going to be very comfortable. So they sort of Mm -hmm. figured out what size range would work. Right. There's also the prim ergonomics, which we don't currently carry and which even after all of this, we're like, oh, interchangeables. They currently only come as fixed. And that's okay. Which is fine. Which have this additional, they're very funny looking. They're, um, they're triangular and then they have a little bulb on the end. And the triangular shape of them is to make them easier to hold. And then the bulb is intended for, and they actually also have DPNs that are yes. the same thing. Yep. Um, but the bulb is intended for if, there, if you have any kind of tremor or anything like that, it makes it harder to pull the tip of the needle out from the stitch accidentally. The bulb is intended to like... It's like a non-slip tip to right. your needles. Which is really great. And those actually come in smaller sizes than the Cubics do. So those are two options. We really, we talk about bringing in the prims all the time and we will. Maybe later this winter. Because they're great. Yep. And really funny looking. Like if you don't know what they're for, you're like, what is this alien knitting needle situation? Yep. They're also, not that knitting needles are heavy, but they're incredibly light. Yes. Because of the material that they're made out of, like they're very, very light in your hands, which is nice. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the stressful little mini tips on the chow goose because, listen. Okay. I think they're, I actually think they're really great. I just, I have big hands. I have big hands. (laughs) It's okay. We all have different hands. It's fine. I really like the little tips. So my personal chow goose set is four inch tips and with the exception of my size ones for knitting socks magic loop i don't like using longer tips than that at all because my hands are not huge and it's just more comfortable to have the smaller tip in my hands for most things and then when we picked up the three inch tips i incorporated some of those into my set and i really like the three inch tips as well yes so i think those are great And because I love them so much, now I stare longingly at our mini sets of the tips that are are really tiny and super cute. So if you're familiar with the Chowgoos, you'll know that they have kind of a complicated interchangeable needle system because there are three different types of cables, three different sizes. And that's because the screw post is on the actual needles for the chowgus and that that allows them to have a wider range of sizes than Knitter's Pride. Knitter's Pride, all the cables have the screw posts and they're all the same size. So the large needles are sizes nine, US 9 through 15. The small needles are US 2 through 8. And then the mini needles are US 000 through 1.5. And that's a very fine cable, which is nice for things like Magic Loop on socks. The short mini tips, I believe, are all mini cables. Even as the needle size goes up, the really tiny ones have that tiny little screw post. So as you're like piecing together your chowgu tools, your needle pieces, there is some difference in what size cable fits with what size needle. They're also a different color. Which is maybe the one wish that I have for the Chowgu cords is that the minis, the smalls, and the larges could be different colors to help me figure, like, help oh, me right. tell them apart inside my bag. The little mini, mini cables are blue instead of red. Yeah. Hmm. What else? There are, what about things like flexi flips? Oh, People yeah. ask us about those. So flexi flips are kind of neat. We don't stock the Addies just on like a personal preference kind of thing. I like the feel of the metal that Chowgu makes their tips out of more than I personally like the feel of the metal Addies make their tips out of. They're very slippery. I think people who love Addies are wicked fast knitters. Like they they like their stitches to fly off of their needles right i would like my stitches to stay on my needles please (laughs) (laughs) do you remember that time before we lived together when i brought you so i had been knitting for a long time but i had zero like mistake fixing skill set oh like when i made a mistake i would just frog it and start over and jessica is like a problem fixer and so there was one time i had been knitting and i had just adopted our littlest dog 
and he had like put his paw on my knitting or something and somehow pulled the stitches off. You know, I mm-hmm. like dropped a bunch of stitches in the middle of my project and I brought it over to Jessica's house and I was like, ah, and she was like, first of all, never tell anyone that a dog did this to your knitting because that's embarrassing. <laughs> Second, <laughs> why are you knitting on aluminum? Like it was, I think I was using Addie's because I used to have a set of Addie turbos. Mm with cotton that's the slippery nightmare of my life and i was like oh there's a difference between tool like you want to choose different tools for different contexts i had never thought about that before (laughs) anyway cotton plus that particular metal is it was slippery it was slippery Mm -hmm. um but we got the stitches back on the needles yeah it's fine yeah (laughs) so the flexi flips what they are are they're tiny little cords with tiny little tips. These are the one inch tips. I don't know what I was thinking a few minutes ago. So if you picture two DPNs, but instead of being DPNs, the center are flexible cords. I think there are three in yeah. the flexi flip sets, maybe. Sure. I don't use Addies. So they're like double pointed needles. DPNs are double pointed needles. They're like that, but in the center there's a cord, so they're flexible. This is a problem that I think different needle manufacturers have tried to solve in different ways. This issue that if you're knitting something small circumference on double-pointed needles, you end up with this sort of corner. So we used to have those curved double-pointed needles. Oh, yeah. the I can't remember what they're called. They were shaped like the letter L. <laughs> yes. And then this is another way of solving that problem. Because if you're using, let's say, three needles to create the leg of a sock... Mm -hmm. instead of ending up with corners, the cable lets you sort of curve the needles toward each other. So you've created something that's more like a circle without having to actually do magic loop. Mm -hmm. So it's neat. And Chowgu's answer to that, because the Addy Flexi Flips are fixed, I'm pretty sure, is that they've just come out with these little tiny mini cords and then these little one inch tips and you can sort of assemble your own and make it be the size you want it to be, which is really cool. Yeah, they're neat. And I think that they're not, like, I think they're just not as common in right. in our community of knitters here anyways. Like, most people are either double point users or magic loop knitters for things like that. But it's an option. It's It's another thing to try to see if you like. A designer we know was talking about this, how people who knit socks tend to become attached to their method of knitting socks. That's me. Yeah, like they will like knitting toe up or they'll like knitting top down. They'll like doing a particular heel. And so they'll look at this pattern and they'll be like, "Mm, I like this pattern, except I'm going to change everything about it, right? People get really attached to the tools they use to knit socks too. They will, Mm -hmm. they either prefer DPNs or they prefer magic loop or they prefer this sort of flexi flip halfway between option. And I think because the flexi flip halfway between option is relatively recent, People are a little set in their ways um, with the other stuff, but it's worth giving it a try if you've never tried it. It's nice. Can we talk about double points for a minute? Yeah. Why are there five? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so there are five. I like to think there are five because if you lose one, then you still have a complete set (laughs) because I never use five at a time. Though I have seen patterns that call for that, like specific distribution of stitches over needles one, two, three, and four, and then you knit with number five. But I like triangles. Like (laughs) (laughs) I prefer to distribute my stitches over three needles and knit with the fourth and hope I never need to depend on the fifth one for anything. Right. But I... I really love double-pointed needles. Like, I have a big soft spot in my heart for them. I think they're great, and a lot of people hate them. Yeah. And I feel like you're either team DPN or you're not. And it's okay either way because there are ways to get the job done without them. But I definitely taught myself to knit socks using DPNs. And my favorite, my favorite, favorite double points like to this day still and we carried them a little for a little while when we first opened and it was just kind of a pain to get them the pony are the pony pearls they're made by inox and they're they're plastic they're this little plastic double pointed rod that has like a metal stick inside that's kind of flexible so they have some structure it's not a hollow like a empty plastic tube there's this little metal rod in there but they like kind of bend with your hands and 
they're fun colors and every size is a different color and I just really love them and I found a bunch of my old pony pearls the other day. Nice. My size zeros and ones. So I have like pale pink and kind of turquoise needles and a little coffee cup with a broken handle with my (laughs) knitting stuff. But yeah, for years, any socks I made were top down with my pony pearls. Yeah. And I love them and was like, no, no magic loop. I'm not doing it. But I did just barrel through like I I worked as fast as I could to do some toe up socks magic loop and you know what I really liked it so I can stop being a curmudgeon about magic loop I guess and <laughs> admit admit that it's an okay option for things yeah but double points come in all the same material ranges that circulars and straight needles do there so there are plastic ones there are wood ones and bamboo and metal And you just kind of have to experiment and see what you like. I will say that when you are using double-pointed needles and you're transitioning to them from circular needles in a project, like say you're knitting a hat and you don't like using magic loops, so you're going to use double points to do the decreases at the crown, ideally you are using the same material because your gauge is very likely going to be different on metal needles versus wood needles versus bamboo because you know you pull your stitches tighter or looser it's more or less slippery you're going to have different size stitches so if you want your finished object to have cohesive tension your best bet is to use wood with wood or metal with metal right that's a really good point and i think i never think about that i just grab whatever I also tend to magic loop the tops of my hats because I only have, I think, small double points. Like I have a sock set and never really get other double points because I do. um, I I like magic loop. Oh, and while I'm thinking of that, like the tension differences. Oh, yeah. Not only within a project, but when you're swatching. Yeah. When you're swatching before you knit something. I don't know why this didn't occur to me before. If you're going to knit a sweater on your metal needles... Don't do your swatch on bamboo. Right. Because it's going to lie to you. It happens. (laughs) Like people come into the shop and they're like, I did a gauge swatch and I can't figure out why my stitches, like it's different. My fabric is different. Yeah. Mm, What did you swatch on? (laughs) So tuck that tip away for a future project (laughs) and save yourself some grief. So all that's to say, there are a lot of needle options. There are. And so everybody's hands are different. Everybody's preferences are different. There is not a right answer. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people with big opinions, including us. Oh, yeah. But we're not the final word. Right. If you like something different, do the thing you like. Don't be like, um, well, the ladies at the yarn shop said that I should prefer metal. So, like, we don't. We don't say that. Yeah. (laughs) We say, find what works for you and good on you for finding a match. If you're working on a project and you're like, I'm just not enjoying knitting this, it might be the project or it might be the tools that you're using. Mm -hmm. Like it might be that you have run up against something that is like, my hands just don't like doing this in this way with this material, with this cable, whatever. Try a different tool. Yeah. Try a different tool before you throw your project in the trash. (laughs) Speaking of needles. Uh huh. What's on your needles? Oh, well, I am working on my pinguono. Yay! And I love it. And I, I've actually pulled some real gems out of my stash for this thing. You'll have to go over to our Instagram account to see some pictures of my progress. I'm working up the back. We're at Make Good Pod, and I'll have pictures up over there. So pinguono, and I may be sneakily casting on a sock for downtime. Well, so this is an example though, because Jessica, her hands don't love knitting with big needles. Oh no, no. Like really, if I never had to pick up needles bigger than a five, I'd be happy. And my penguinos on 10 and a half. So sometimes my hands need a break. And by break, I mean like size ones to let them relax into their curled monkey's paw of knitting. (laughs) 
So side piece projects are all right. They're fine. Can we tell you about the thing that we're adding to the Penguono Knit Along? Oh, yeah. Hey, Penguono Knitters. Okay. So, and if you haven't heard anything about this yet because you're just picking us up at this episode, first of all, welcome. And second of all, go back and listen to last week because we give all the details about the Knit Along. We put up a blog post. So you can, if you go to our Instagram at MakeGoodPod, you can get all the rules and details for participating. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of rules. It's a pretty low-key thing. But you might end up with a penguono to wear, and you might end up with a $150 gift card to scratch. To buy, like, a needle set or something. So the knit-along runs from January 4th to February 1st. There is no pressure to finish your penguono by February 1st. Like, we are not about 30-day challenges or new year, new project. This is just clearing out some old stuff. And making that, a fun thing. Yeah. And, and ending up with an amazing hug your, like, hug your body cardigan. It's going to be really nice. But. Mm-hmm. Karen's very proud of this. Get I'm ready. so proud of this. <laughs> Jessica fired me like three times for this. On the first Saturday in March. Which I believe is the 6th. We're going to do the March of the Penguinos. We're still socially distancing. The store is still not open. But if you are local. We're going to pick a time, and we don't know what time yet, but sometime on Saturday the 6th. We'll update details. Yeah. We are going to be in the store, sitting by the window. You wear your penguono, you come knock on the window, and like, we will take your picture, and we'll be real excited, and we'll cheer for you. And if you're not local and you're participating, take ideally a video, but if not a video, a picture is fine. And in some way, send it to us or post it and tag us or something, because we want to see everybody wear their penguinos. Yes. Someone commented on our Instagram and said that she had recently, in the last year, made a penguino oh, right. and wanted to know if she could make the penguino as part of the knit-along, which I think is like the baby slash child size version of this. Yeah. And yes, heck yes. And if you have a penguono and you have a small person or maybe you could hack the pattern and make it for your dog, I bet you could. Like if you could make a little video of a March of Penguino, March of the Penguinos of you and your small mammal friends or your chicken, I don't care what it is, like <laughs> multiple projects, like it would be so much fun. So take those videos and tag us or send them to us and we will post them because yeah. it's going to be amazing. We're going to post and somehow share this collection. I think the way we share it is going to depend a little bit on how they are submitted to us. But March of the Penguinos, let's do it. It's fun. I'm super excited. Yay. Oh. Hey, Karen, what's on your needles? Okay, so I am doing kind of a month. <laughs> I know I just said no 30-day, whatever. I have a non-knitting related work in progress that is happening, which I will talk about fairly far in the future, I think. But fitting in around that, I am giving myself a little period of sock knitting. Mm -hmm. So I'm plugging away. I've also fallen in love with the DRK everyday socks. And so I'm just kind of knitting toe-up, legal heel socks, I picked up some self-striping yarn. I picked up some fun indie dyed yarn that we don't carry, but we're thinking about carrying. And I'm just kind of knitting away on some socks. So that's actually going to be my answer, I think, for the next couple of weeks. Because yeah. that's just the project. And socks are great. So what a good way to start the year. Right. Yeah. I haven't knit myself a lot of hand knit socks. And I tend, when I knit socks... I tend to get bored and then they're too short to wear with the boots that I like to wear. Yeah. So even when I do knit them, I tend not to knit them long enough. Mm -hmm. So I am really excited about these because these socks are a break from my other big work in progress project. I am going to just keep knitting them until they're nice and long and I run out of yarn, which is going to be the, you know, mid calf tall socks that I need for my life. And I'm excited. Perfect. Jessica. Karen. Are you ready? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you always sound so excited. It's, I'm worried. I just I want to do a good job, and I never know what you're going to say to me. Are you ready for a letter? Yeah, let's do it.
This was sent to us by Elliot, and I think it builds nicely off of what we were talking about last week. Mm-hmm. Hi, y'all. So I jumped on the Livestock Conservancy's Shave em to Save em project to try to expand my sheep knowledge. Oh, yay. Can you talk breeds and what yarn is good for what? I'm excited to explore the world outside Merino. Cool. Elliot, that's awesome. And what a great question. I feel like Yarn World is full of Merino. And that's great because Merino is gorgeous. It's a great option. And Superwash Merino is really widely available. And it's what most indie dyers die on. Yay, Merino. But... Merinos ain't the only fish in the sea, (laughs) as it were. Like, there are a lot of different breeds. And sheep are kind of like dogs. Like, they have very different fur. Hair. (laughs) Hair? Hair. Yeah. Can you tell I'm an expert already? Um, (laughs) You know, like, you'd think, like, sheep are just sheep. But they produce, like, widely variant fiber depending on their breed. And some of it is really soft and touchable. Karen talked about microns in our last episode to let you know what fibers will feel like kind of general ballpark based on those numbers. And some of them are less soft, but like warm and rugged and durable and great insulators. So I'm I'm going to name a couple of breeds that are more common that you'll find and what I think they're great for. And I'm going to start with maybe the scratchiest of them all, and that is Icelandic wool. You might be most familiar with this as uh, Lopi, beautiful Lopi sweaters, and they are insanely warm, like wildly warm, and also not the most soft wear against your skin fiber, but they're great at keeping you warm. They're a little bit scratchy. They're great for color work. And you'll find like an endless, endless well of beautiful color work, sweater patterns and mittens and hats that call for Icelandic wool. Because the fiber is grabby, the strands want to hug up against each other. So they're great for color work. They're also great for making sweaters, cardigans, or jackets where you're steaking them. So lots of like color work steak things and Icelandic wool patterns you'll often see, not just buttons, but zippers set into those because it's a really like durable fiber that can support that. Whereas something like alpaca, we're heading away from sheep there, but like alpaca, because of the way it drapes and stretches like I might not want to inset a zipper in that but a lopi sweater yes it'll give you some structure yes definitely also when you see instructions to steek a sweater and there's no finishing on the steek you just kind of cut and wear that's knit with lopi yarn or Icelandic wool because it'll kind of naturally felt kind of pretty quickly so that's one breed highland wool is really lovely, rugged and durable, softer to the touch. Some people can wear it against their skin. Others prefer not to. We have examples of Highland wool in the shop with the Harrisville Highland and also wool stock from Blue Sky Fibers. Because of how they're milled and plied, I think that the wool stock is nicer to wear closer to your skin than the Harrisville Highland, but they both are gorgeous sweater yarns. They're both great for color work, and they're just kind of lovely, like, all-purpose workhorse fibers. Let's see. There's Cormo and Corridale, which I kind of think of as as more similar fibers. And a lot of times you'll see those in blends with some merino or other other wools. Um, And we have them as blends in the shop with the Shelter from Brooklyn Tweed, as well as Forge from Hudson and West. And these fibers tend to have great stitch definition. A lot of times when you see them in yarns, they are woolen spun versus worsted spun. So it makes for like a nice like physically lightweight knit, but they're warm and insulating and uh, just really beautiful to work with. And then there is maybe my current favorite 
wool fiber that I've been working with, and that is Rambouillet. It is so, so pretty. The fiber, like, visually is beautiful. The stitch definition is great, and it is super soft. And I don't mean soft like fuzzy bunny soft. I mean, like, it almost feels like fine cotton against your skin. Personally, I find Rambouillet to be not itchy at all. Like, it's very easy to wear, and it's super lovely to work with, and it's kind of just springy and wonderful and takes takes on color like fantastic we have we have rambouillet from three different dyers in the shop we carry wilder from spin cycle which is undyed it's only available in light gray and dark gray and it's quite lovely i'm making a i'm knitting a dress using that yarn oh yeah the pattern is called Lada. We also have Elder and Maven from Ritual Dyes. So fingering weight and worsted weight, and they're beautiful. And Karen's working with the Elder right now. Yeah, it's really nice. And I, I used the Maven for the color work in the Kate Davies. Your Kufel. Yeah, my Kufel. And I love that yarn so much. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. My favorite... My favorite cardigan that I wear all the time is Knit with the Elder, the sassy cardigan. And it's just fantastic, like super soft. You can wear it with a tank top and be warm and not feel itchy. It's fantastic. Who's the third one? The third one is the Farmer's Daughter Fibers. We have Pishkin Mm -hmm. and Recollect. That's right. And Pishkin is a DK weight. And Recollect is sport weight, and it's a blend, like a 75-25 blend of white Rambouillet and black Rambouillet. So it's this beautiful gray base that the color is just really like deep and saturated and dimensional. It's super gorgeous. But I I knit everything with Rambouillet. (laughs) Try it out and you're going to love it. It's also a really great, I'm trying to run through to see if what I'm about to say is incorrect. I think most Rambouillet is USA fiber. Like, mm. Rambouillet sheep live in the US. Yeah. All um, three of those. Montana and Wyoming, there are a lot of ranchers that, I don't want to say a lot, but there are ranches with like, where large amounts of that fiber comes from. Right. There's probably, I mean, like we were saying in last week's episode, sheep live where you put them. There's probably Rambouillet farms all over the world, but all three of those dyers intentionally domestically source their fiber. So the those sheep are in the U.S. So mm-hmm. um, that's always nice too, if you want to support domestic wool production. Definitely. We have, let's see, I'm trying to think of other fibers. We have little bits of Shetland and BFL from Sunrise Hill Farm, which is a local teeny tiny farm. I think she has, does Ruth have like six sheep or something? Something like that. Yeah. We also have Shetland from Harrisville. Yes. Yes. We have Shetland from Harrisville. Targi is another lovely, lovely wool. Um, Targi is fantastic. Targi is hardy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it isn't necessarily when you touch the skein, it isn't necessarily like the softest feeling yarn, but you can make socks out of it and wear those socks and you don't necessarily need nylon in the blend to keep from walking through them for a while anyway. Like all socks eventually need some darning. Yeah. Yeah. And we have, we're bringing um, Targi sock yarn into sure. the shop. Yeah. We'll tell you more about that when it gets here, but it's, it's in progress which is exciting yeah there there are lots of breeds and i i would recommend like when you are able to go to an lys in person like if you can get into a shop which i think you still can't come into our store right now and won't be able to for a while but when you can ask people in your shop about different breeds, have them give you a little like walking tour of different wool fiber options because just touching the skeins you will notice, or if they have samples, like the huge difference in how fibers feel and everybody interacts with fiber, like your the way you feel it is specific to you. So check it out and see what you think. But there, there's a rich world. Also, if you can go to fiber festivals someday again in the future, 
it's a great place to try out different, like very breed specific yarns. Yeah. That's a great question, Elliot. And I hope you enjoy your journey of trying options beyond Merino. So I think that's it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us. You can subscribe to our podcast on your podcast platform of choice. You can also check out our Instagram at makegoodpod and keep your eye out for the hashtags makegoodstashdown and makegoodpenguono for the knit along that we have in progress. And tell your friends. We'll be here with a new episode next week. We sure will. See you then. Bye-bye.